Hey listeners, it's Brian. Before the show starts, I just wanted to let you know that you can now chat with us, other horror fans, and fans of the show on our Discord server. I had no idea what Discord was until our awesome listener Blake helped us start a Discord server. And it's kind of like a chat room website or app. That's kind of underselling it, but it's a really easy way to chat with people. We've got a nice little group of people going, and we're just chatting about horror movies, movies in general, etc. It's actually a lot of fun, and the Discord app is really slick. It's a lot more conversational than Facebook or Twitter, and it's easier to use, too. So if you want to join, I've got the link posted on our Facebook and Twitter pages, and I'll try to get it up on our website, too. I'm also going to read it out loud right now like a 70-year-old would do. It's https colon forward slash forward slash discord dot gg forward slash h capital F k capital U capital J 8. So you can just type that into your browser or just find the link on our social media pages and you'll join our little group. So if you really need to talk to somebody about how we felt about today's movie, come on over and join us on Discord. And thanks again to Blake for helping us out. Talk to you later, guys. Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who are not quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Brian, I'm on the phone with Ashvin, and today we are discussing Candyman from 1992, directed and written by Bernard Rose, based on the Clive Barker story The Forbidden, starring Virginia Madsen, Tony Todd, and Cassie Lemons. In this movie, a graduate student researches an urban legend known as the Candyman and gets more than she bargained for. We picked this because long ago our good friend Margot requested it and somehow we just lost it in the shuffle, even though we love you, Margot. And it's also pretty topical because I guess it's not super recent, but within the past few months we heard that Jordan Peele is producing and has co-written a script for a new Candyman movie that will come out in 2020. And I am excited for that movie, especially even more so after rewatching this. Me too. I, I mean, like, that's awesome. I mean, it's a Jordan Peele movie, so it's going to be incredible. And then, yeah, Candyman, like, that, that's an awesome combination. Yeah. Yeah, and we can talk a little bit later about uh, what what this movie, the new movie may or may not be about or or what might be going on there. Um, I have a, a correction, a pronunciation correction, which is becoming a theme oh, tonight. Man. The pronunciation um, police are in town. <laughs> Let's go. <ahead>. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this was in our very first episode. We were talking about how Vincent Price is in a movie called The Abominable... Oh, shit. Now I remember the... <laughs> Don't remember the movie. The Abominable Dr. Phoebes, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's Dr. Phoebes. Oh. <laughs> what does that have to do with uh, Candyman? Uh, I, I don't know. I just recently... Uh, one of our listeners from the... Uh, listener request episode blake hi blake i was like hey uh, how did you find us um because he started chatting with me and he said he found us on this app called Castbox, and i went on there and noticed there was a comment you can like comment on the show like a public comment and somebody commented with that correction oh man they didn't con- uh, comment on my pronunciation of abominable 
<laughs> yeah, was, between the two of us, we cannot pronounce that movie at all. <laughs> That's a hard one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm tempted to say, listeners, if you have corrections and want to let us know, you can get in touch with us, and maybe we'll read them on the show, but... uh I think I that's very tentative. I reserve the right to pull that offer back. I think it depends on how pedantic the corrections are. So maybe Agreed. just use your use your judgment. Makes sense. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to Candyman. This is a supernatural slasher ish movie. It's it's often called a slasher. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's fair. Yeah, I would almost put like Candyman, like his character, in like the same league as like a a freddy or like a a jason in terms of like his powers yeah it is very similar to freddy especially with like the uh Candyman isn't in your dreams but he talks a lot about how he's kept alive by people's belief in him Mm -hmm. had you seen this before um you know i yeah i've probably like a long time ago like it's you ever watch a movie and like you know what's gonna like you know the scenes and stuff like what's gonna happen but you don't actually remember watching it kind of thing yes that is exactly. I knew I had seen this movie, and then when I started watching it, I was like, "Oh, I've actually seen this movie a lot." Like there were a couple scenes where I was like, "I know this scene well." Yeah, yeah, and like, yeah, as we started going, like, "Oh, I know, I know how this ends. I remember what happens at the end and stuff like that." So, uh, yeah, yeah, I had the same experience recently with Gremlins as well. I I knew I had seen it before, but when I watched it, I was like, "Oh, not only have I seen this before, but I I watched this a lot as a kid." And yeah. I just kind of forgot. <laughs> yeah, it's funny as you start to watch it, it kind of puts you back into that. And you can draw the lines again. Uh, yeah. How about like how hard it was to find this? Like it's not streaming anywhere, which is crazy. Yeah, I have to believe that maybe even by the time we release this episode, I hope that will change. I would think as a way to promote the new movie, they're going to want to make the old one available because everybody will rent it. So mm-hmm. I have no idea why it's not available to stream. How did you end up streaming it? Uh, I, I couldn't. I, I actually found a, a, a video store that I think Amy actually used to work at. It's called Odd Obsession in Chicago. Do you, did you ever go to there? I n- have never been there, but yes, that is the one that Amy used to work at. Oh, yeah. It was, it was really cool. I, I walked in there, and I, no one was in there. And I had to like, ask them, like, hey, like, how are you guys even open still? And I guess people still come in and once in a while and like, rent DVDs, or there's stuff like you can't find online. And there's, yeah, I mean, they're staying in business, which is crazy. So props. Yeah, man, I've I've got my DVD store up the road. That's where I got it too. I actually bought it. Oh, you bought (laughs) because there were no copies for rental available, and I like we kind of had a tight timeline to record this week. So I'm like, whatever, I'll buy it. I had a credit on my account, and it was only ten bucks. My credit was ten bucks, and the movie was ten bucks. So I was like, whatever, I'll just buy this thing. Oh, that's pretty nice. Actually, this is this is one like I would consider owning. Like I feel like it's a classic that uh that you know it's, it's worth worth having. Yeah, I think, I imagine you're probably this way too, and it might even be a little bit rare for horror fans, or at least the, like, super horror fans that I see on Twitter. I don't really own much physical media, and I don't really see much of a need to. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like, I've got a handful of DVDs that are, like, some of my favorite movies, and even recently I think I may have just uh, traded those in or or given them to uh, Salvation Army or something, because it's like, I never... There's so many movies, especially, like, as we've made clear on this show, we have so many holes. There's so many horror movies and movies in general we need to go back to see. Like, yeah, I, it seems silly for me to hang on to a movie, and I'd almost <laughs> just rather pay, like, three bucks to rent it again than have, like, a, yeah, a, a running, wall of DVDs. Yeah, a running library that you're never going to, like, watch again. Yeah. Which which is so weird, because I feel like 
in uh, 2000s and stuff and like in college, that was the thing. Like you'd go to someone's place and you'd see like this, these rows of like DVDs that everyone owned. And that was like the thing to do. Like you'd rack those up and I, I guess CDs and stuff too. It's just crazy. We're like now in a time where you don't like that. That's so rare now to come across. Yeah. And especially like, I feel like after a certain number of moving of moves, uh, yeah. you're just like, <laughs> I no, I don't need stuff. Like yeah, not I don't need it. to put all this in a box in two years and put yeah. it on a truck. And yeah, I agree. I agreed. And just, and just to see how often you move stuff that you haven't touched in years. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're paying to like move that stuff over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. Anyway, that was a huge tangent. Um, I do not know what the budget for this movie was. I think it was pretty low budget, but it made $25.7 at the box office, which mm-hmm. isn't huge, but definitely isn't bad. Yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of um, smaller. Uh, do you think it's f- because uh, it was like the 90s? I mean, that maybe that was a bigger number back then than it is now. Or, I, I yeah, I did not do the conversion on that to today's dollars, but it still seems like it's not crazy high. But I imagine the budget, I'm sure the budget was, I don't know, I can't speculate, but I'm sure it was less than $5 million, So that's still a, a considered a good return and a profitable movie. Yeah, sure. Um, it may have even been quite a bit less than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised this movie only has a 74% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes and 61% user. Yeah, and I'm really but surprised. This is like hailed as a classic. Yeah, I, I feel like I, I read very like different things, like people like praising it as like one of the most impactful or, um, yeah, it's, it's like one of the best horror movies out there and like praising like how it, uh, you know, it has like the social commentary a little bit buried in there. But then, yeah, then you see these scores and they're, you know, it has like a C plus on cinema score or something. Uh, it, it's not like super really high ranked or anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's surprising. Yeah. Wild. Um, I think that might be a scenario too, where like the general public may not care much for this movie, but horror fans love it. Yeah. You think it's got like a cult following? I think so. I mean, and not even a cult. I think almost like every horror fan mm-hmm. either loves or at least respects this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, did you see that Eddie Murphy was the original choice for Candyman? Oh my god, I did, yeah. <laughs> How crazy would that have been? <laughs> that would have been a totally different movie. I mean, maybe he could have pulled it off, but uh, yeah, it's hard to picture. <laughs> and uh, this guy, Tony Todd, who ends up uh, who, who was cast as Candyman, is he also going to be in the new movie coming out? He is supposed, there's a rumor that he at least has some sort of role or makes an appearance. Oh, okay. Um, so the mo- new movie is supposed to be a bit of a spiritual sequel, I'm seeing it called, to the original. Hmm. And it takes place, so this, the 1992 movie takes place in a housing project, an infamous housing project in real life called Cabrini Green in Chicago. Um, and the new movie is supposed to take place in the current gentrified Cabrini Green, like the oh. area that was once Cabrini Green, because Cabrini Green is no more. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Peel's producing and co-writing with, he co-wrote with this guy, Wynn Rosenfeld, whom he's worked with in the past. He's got, like, producer credits on a few of his other movies. Mm-hmm. And the movie's going to be directed by Nia DaCosta. I didn't recognize a ton of other stuff that she has done. Oh, okay. Um, and there's a rumor that Lakeith Stanfield, who was... Um, the dude who got kidnapped in the beginning of Get Out. Yeah. And the dude from Sorry to Bother You. That there's a rumor that he'll be one of the main characters. Oh, cool. Um, and his 
character's name is rumored to be Anthony, which has some significance as we go through the plot and get into the spoilers of this movie. There will be spoilers ahead. So yeah, basically, if you don't want to hear spoilers in this movie, you probably want to duck out now. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so that's that has some significance and I think could make for a really interesting sequel. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Hey, didn't when you lived in Chicago, didn't you kind of live in the area where Cabrini Green was? Yeah, I lived basically just like a city block north of where Cabrini Green was. Oh, okay. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And so that was a public housing project that just became infamous for lots of violence and high-profile incidents like the shooting of cops. There was a really gruesome uh, incident with a young girl who I like, I don't even want to talk about it. It was, it was so messed up. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think they recently, within the past few years, demolished the last standing building. It was kind of confusing to get all the information on that. Did you read up on that at all? Uh, no, no. I'm, I'm pretty fascinated by it, though. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's t- today I think there's like a, a giant, uh, not a giant eagle, but uh, a jewel in that area, which is a grocery Yeah, and there's store. a target. Oh, yeah, target, yeah. <laughs> yeah the target so I, is like literally where one of the, uh, bigger buildings used to be. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's definitely, uh, taken quite, quite a change. Yeah. Um, so this soundtrack was by Philip Glass, who's a pretty influential composer and musician and three of his film scores have been nominated for Academy Awards. Yeah. That's awesome. I don't think he was super pumped. I think he was kind of sold when he was, told about the film he thought it would turn out differently he was like oh this is kind of like a low budget slasher and he wasn't necessarily happy about having done it oh really he didn't realize that going into it yeah i i I don't know what he thought it was going to turn out to be but i don't know (laughs) if he was very happy with the finished product yeah maybe you heard them say Candyland. he thought it was like based on the board game and it was (laughs) uh candy van I'm sure this is a pretty ominous board game soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I actually I, I like the soundtrack a lot. Like it kind of reminded me of the Halloween soundtrack uh, a little bit. Uh, like just that, like that piano, and like I, I'm surprised this one's not more iconic. Yeah, yeah, I don't see this one get a ton of um, ton of talk, but yeah, it, it was solid. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, it was a good soundtrack. Um, and there are two sequels to this movie, one from 95 and 99. I, I didn't see either of those, and I'm not sure if the new movie will ignore those or or even if it if it has to bother ignoring those. I'm, I'm not sure what the storyline is in those movies. Yeah. No, I've, I haven't seen those either. You know, that, that's one uh, yeah. blind spot uh, for me. Like, I feel like we see a lot of these great movies, and oftentimes, like, they'll have, like, sequels and stuff. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I wonder when it's, like, worth it to, like, dive in because oftentimes sequels are terrible, right? Yeah, you and me both, buddy. That is a huge blind spot for me. I just tend not to bother digging into sequels. But yeah. <laughs> as we've done this and interacted with more horror fans and listeners, it's clear that there are some really great sequels. I mean, not that we haven't seen any sequels, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think part of what's to blame is that like there are just dozens almost sequels to like the three big slasher franchises of the 80s and so many of them are bad. It's like, do I really want to dig in and watch every Jason movie? Like, yeah. Is it just to say that I've watched them? I know, I know. Just, just that random person you're gonna run into that has watched all of them. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. And I mean, there. Yeah, 
to be i know you don't you're not really on the social media as much but uh yeah on horror twitter man people have seen all those and they've seen them multiple times yeah i know i feel behind on that sense yeah but you think think maybe one month we should just do a sequel (laughs) a month of sequels a month of sequels and stuff yeah yeah (laughs) it's a good idea sequel Uh, september (laughs) i like the way that sounds that works yeah uh, this one was, it was also based off of a book by Clive Barker, which I, I didn't realize that that's, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, I kind of rushed through the uh, research for this one, so I didn't take very good notes, but I think he had something called books of blood. That was just a giant collection of short stories that came out in the eighties that really put him on the map. Mm-hmm. And this story, the forbidden was, was in those, I think it was between 84 and 85 that those came out. Oh, Okay. And and he's the one that did like Nightbreed as well, right? He did Nightbreed. Um, he directed it, and it was based on one of his stories. And then he did he directed Hellraiser. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I feel like watching this and having seen Nightbreed. I haven't seen Hellraiser, but you kind of get a sense for his style of like kind of um, almost like fantasy horror, I guess, in, in a way as well. It is, yeah. It's a little bit fantasy, and he almost does like a little bit of world building. Like, oh yeah, not. Not so much with this one, but it seems like Candyman really like inhabits a certain realm. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Not quite as extreme as Nightmeat Nightbreed or Hellraiser, but uh But yeah, yeah. there's there's like a yeah. layer involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um what and, and there's kind of like a love story component too, which uh, that that seems familiar from Nightbreed uh, as well. Um Yeah, yeah, and uh and Hellraiser as well. Oh, okay. Hellraiser has one. If I too. remember that movie correctly, it's been a little while. Yeah, interesting. Anything else on this movie before we start to move on? No, let's get into it. All right. Uh, before we do, at the very beginning of the plot, there's a student who's talking to our main character, Helen, about a story she heard about the Candyman and how this couple, Billy and Clara, got 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 by the Candyman. And the student telling that story is an actress named Rhea Pavia, who was born in Ohio. Oh my god! How are you finding all this? Are you just like clicking on their names? Yeah, man. I, that's one of the first things I do is just click on everybody's name to see who may have been born in Ohio. <laughs> Pretty cheap. Wow, we got to build like this database. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, like this gold here. I, I've got a wall in my house that's just like a serial killer wall with <laughs> newspaper clippings and arrows drawn. And there's like just like a map of Ohio that you just like drawing rope to <laughs> ropes tying back yeah yep How does old this cups of down? coffee yeah <laughs> that's awesome nice work uh okay man well <clears throat> we will move on to the plot and we're gonna get thicker into the spoilers but uh do you mind holding on one sec buddy i've got a bit of a headache i think i need to go take something for it oh uh, sure all right i'll be all right back all right Okay, man, I'm back. Hey, you get you feeling better? Yeah, but I'm a little confused. I opened up my medicine cabinet and I noticed there's kind of a false wall behind it, and I pushed through the wall, and there's this whole secret room in my house. Whoa, is anyone uh, in there? Yeah, there's nobody in there, but there's a bunch of art on the walls, and it's a bunch of uh, nude paintings of you. <laughs> oh, that's for this. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
<laughs> enjoy all very tastefully done. Enjoy them, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not complaining. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. All right, so diving into the plot here. Helen is a grad student studying the urban legend of Candyman. I think she's trying to do a thesis on him. And he's a supernatural entity akin to Bloody Mary. If you say his name five times in the mirror, he appears and he kills you. And Helen is married to a professor at the same school that where she's a student. And we suspect that he may be cheating on her. They drop some hints. Um, but anyway, so she's investigating a series of murders that happened in the housing project of Cabrini Green that the residents all attribute to Candyman. So she goes to Cabrini Green to investigate with her friend Bernadette to uh, investigate the abandoned apartment where one of the murders took place. And when they're in there, they find behind the medicine cabinet that there's an easy entrance to another abandoned apartment behind that. And that apartment has all sort of street art that's pertinent to Candyman. Um, And like the hole that they climb through it looks like the hole of his mouth. There's like a big illustration of his face around it. I, th- I thought um, the artwork... That was not the arrangement in your room. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't the way it was. <laughs> yeah, d- different different hole. Different hole was drawn on there. Uh, I, I thought the artwork throughout this film is like, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, like, you know, between like the graffiti on the walls and then yeah, how that room is decorated. I, I thought that had like a really cool element of like color and, you know, th- his whole layer kind of thing. Uh, they, they, they yeah. did that well. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely had a layer. Yeah. Yep. Um, so while Bernadette and Helen are at Cabrini Green, they encounter a resident who lives, I think, down the hall from this abandoned apartment or next door. So it's this woman with a baby boy, and she says she heard the woman scream, and they talk to her a little bit. And Helen then later learns from this professor that Candyman was the son, she kind of learns his backstory. He was the son of a slave who became prosperous after developing a system for mass-producing shoes during the Civil War. So he grew up in polite society and became a well-known artist, sought after for his talent, um, doing portraits. And he fell in love with the subject of one of his portraits and fathered a child with her, and her father got all upset about it, and he was set upon by a lynch mob, and they cut off his painting hand and replaced it with a hook. And then he was smeared with honey stolen from an apiary, which attracted all these bees, which stung him to death. And then his corpse was burned and his ashes were scattered across the area where Cabrini Green now stands, which is why all this is happening in Cabrini Green. Um, at some point, Helen and her friend Bernadette do the Candyman thing in the mirror and say his name. And Helen is the only one who says his name five times. Um, so that nothing happens immediately after that, but that, that kind of sets up the rest of the story. Yeah. She's brave. So on a, an, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, she was brave to say his name five times. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was pretty dumb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, did you ever do that? Bloody Mary in the mirror? I feel like I've asked you that before. Yeah, no, I've never done it. Have you? I did as a kid. Yeah. It was, it was freaky to do. Did anything happen? No, but you can like almost imagine you're seeing stuff in a completely dark room. Yeah, <laughs> no, that sounds pretty scary. I, <laughs> I, I still think as an adult, I don't think I would do that. 
Yeah, I, honestly, I, I don't think I would do it now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like why tempt it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so on another visit to Cabrini Green, Helen meets this little boy named Jake who tells her the story of a boy who was castrated in a public restroom on the roof of Cabrini Green by a candy man. And there's a flashback of that, and it is brutal. Yeah, yeah, that's hard to watch. Yeah, this is a pretty bru- brutal movie. It is, yeah, pretty graphic. Um, yeah. So Helen goes in and investigates this bathroom, and she lifts up a toilet seat and sees all these bees in the toilet, which are a Candyman trademark. Um, and then she is confronted by this gang, and she's assaulted by this dude who's the leader of the gang. But then she kind of does, it cuts to her in a police station with this black eye, and there's a police lineup, and she's able to finger the guy that did it. And the police then attribute all the bad stuff that's happened to him. Like, he's the Candyman. And then Helen is later confronted by Candyman in a parking garage, and he says that basically her discrediting him is bad for him. Like, he needs people to believe in him. Um, yeah. I think he says, your disbelief has cost me my congregation, and without them, I am nothing. What, what did you think? And it... now I must shed innocent blood. Yeah, what, what did you think? Because this is, like, the first time we're seeing Candyman. Like, uh, and they, I think they gave him, like, a, a vocal effect, and, uh, the, you know, the, you had the hook hand and everything. Like, what, what did you think of how he was done? I thought it was pretty well done. Yeah, his voice is like all encompassing. So it sounds like it's right in your ear no matter where he's standing and yeah, this hook is just shoved into his bloody stump. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was a a really nice touch. It looks pretty yeah. good. Yeah. And there's nothing um there's no real makeup to him or anything. They don't go overboard to make him creepy. He's just this dude with a hook in his hand and a creepy voice. And yeah. I think he's like wearing a trench coat or something. Yeah, pretty simple. It seemed to work. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's kind of a problem with movies today. Is I feel like they've got to always have some sort of elaborate design with some uh, CGI in it. Yeah. It's just like it's the concepts that are scary, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, scary visuals are great, but you, you don't need all the CGI. Yep, yep. Hey, uh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, earlier. I, throughout this whole movie, I could have sworn this actress was uh, Scully. Is that Gillian Anderson or Gillian Anderson? What do, what's her name? Gillian G- Anderson. Yeah. Um, yeah. This woman is Virginia Madsen. Um, do you buy that? She looks so familiar to me too, and I think it might have just been from watching this movie as a kid. Um, she was also in Sideways and Dune. She's in the Swamp Thing TV series that I. Th- think is happening right now i really think this was jillian anderson man i I think maybe she had like a a stage name before uh that she was using i mean it's just don't you think like they look exactly the same there are some similarities there but i i think i think you're uh i don't think it's quite as extreme to most people as it is to you I don't know. I, I watched this whole movie thinking it was her, and then at the end, like someone else's name popped up, and I was I was just so confused. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Let's see. Where were we? Uh, she was in the um, parking lot, okay. and she just saw Candyman. Yeah. And then she blacks out, and she wakes up. So he's just said, I, "I've got to shed innocent blood now." 
So she blacks out and she wakes up in that woman's apartment that they met in Cabrini Green who has the baby boy. She wakes up covered in blood and the woman's dog's head is like sitting on the counter nearby. It's been cut off. And the baby is missing. This woman's screaming. There's blood all over the crib. Helen's like grabbed a knife because she doesn't know what's going on and she's in a tussle with this woman. The woman's like calling her a murderer and the police come in. So Helen's the prime suspect for decapitating this dog and presumably maybe killing the baby or doing something with the baby. Nobody knows where the baby is. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets bailed out of jail and then she's back at her apartment and the Candyman appears again and cuts her neck, not to kill her, but she's just like kind of out of it and fading away. And just as this is happening, her friend Bernadette arrives at the door. Bernadette hears her calls for help and she comes in and she gets murdered by Candyman. We don't see the actual kill happen, but we hear it and it's pretty intense sounding. Yeah. It's like that hook being ripped through uh, skin and bone. Yeah. It's been mentioned before that like that's Candyman's jam. He basically like guts you groin to groin to gullet. Oh man. Uh, Yeah. And so we, we later see when I think, uh, Helen comes to, we see Bernadette's body lying there. The cops come in, and she's, again, blamed for this murder because people are dying all around her or disappearing, and she's locked in a psychiatric ward. Um, Later on, she's talking to a psychologist, and she's trying to prove that the Candyman exists, so she looks in the mirror, says his name five times, and then the doctor, you don't see Candyman yet, the doctor's just like, and he's gutted as Candyman pops up from behind him. (laughs) And then Candyman cuts her free, and she escapes out the window. Um, which at first I was like, why is he trying to make all this look like she did it? Yeah. Because if you're trying to rebuild your congregation and get people to believe in you, you want them to think you did it. Yeah, I can't really tell what he was after this whole time. Like, it sound, it almost seems like, you know, he's, like, killed, like, three people to, like, frame her. Uh, and I didn't really understand, like, what his end goal was with all of this. Yeah, I think I might be able to piece it together or see where the movie's trying to go. Uh, we'll talk about that at the end. Okay. Um, so Helen's broken loose from this psychiatric ward. I don't think she really knows what to do. She stops by her house to find Trevor, and he has moved in with this student that she was like suspicious of at the beginning of the movie. He's totally moved on from her and like living with this girl. Um. And so now she's like, okay, like I don't have anybody. The cops are after me. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. She she goes to Cabrini Green to confront Candyman, and I think try to find this baby or save the baby if she can. And he says, if you surrender to me, you'll save the baby. And he like opens up his trench coat and he's got all these bees in his chest and bees in his mouth, and he kisses her and offers her eternal life. There was some. And he says like. Oh, oh, go ahead. Uh, there, there's some cool effects there when he opens up his jacket because you just see like his rib cage. It's like swarmed with uh, yeah. bees. That, that was kind of cool. Yeah, that was cool. I read that he got stung by bees like 23 times throughout the course of these. Oh my movies. god, these were actual bees in the movie. Actual bees. I think they bred them specifically for this movie so they could get them to be a certain age where their stings wouldn't be quite as potent. Yeah. Wow. And it didn't like, work. They would big enough so that they look like. Big, normal-sized bees, but small enough that their stings wouldn't hurt that bad. Oh, my God. That's crazy. I can't imagine yeah. having to act with that many bees. Yeah. And, I mean, that's what—that's kind of the bad thing about CGI, because with CGI, you're like, 
no, we're not going to have bees on the, like, on yeah. this dude. Let's just CG, CG it. I know. But it, I mean, it's kind of special to actually have it. Yeah. Wait, so, like, when he, like, opened his mouth and stuff, those are actual bees coming out? You know, in the mouth, I, I'm not sure. That could have been some, some effects, but I, I don't know. Yeah. No, that's wild. Yeah. Um, so then Candyman says something to the effect of, like, it's you. Like, it's always been you. And we look at a painting that he's done that makes it look like she she looks a lot like his old lover from like the Civil War era. And so I think maybe there could be some question there that like she's been she's the reincarnated version of that woman or he just reminds him of her. Yeah, that's what I saw written out there. Like, uh, yeah, he's basically like kind of in love with her and like kind of yeah, bringing her. He wants to take her back with him or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, and I think maybe that could be why he's making the um, deaths look like it's her. Like he wants her to be a character like him that's like right. um, propped up by the belief of these people. Oh, like sure. that's how they live on. Yeah, kind of like abandoned by the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it ends, Candyman's trying to burn her and the baby to death in this like giant pile of scrap wood on the roof of Cabrini Green. And Helen's trying to get free and save the baby. She ends up stabbing him, which works, which didn't make a total ton of sense to me. I thought he was kind of like this immortal dude. Yeah. Um, and then she crawls out with the baby and the crowd of Cabrini Green is like gathered around this fire at this point. She crawls out with the baby. Someone grabs the baby from her. Her hair is on fire and she like succumbs to the flames and dies. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with her funeral, and the all the residents of Cabrini Green like arrive late to the funeral. The little boy that she talked to earlier in the movie throws Candyman's hook in the grave with her. And then the final scene is Trevor in his apartment in the bathroom, and he's like kind of hiding from his girlfriend, and you can tell he regrets everything. And he's, like, crying and saying Helen's name. He says her name five times in the mirror, and she appears behind him with, like, this no hair and a burnt-up scalp, and she cuts him with Candyman's hook. Yeah, I thought they made her look pretty scary when she came back. Yeah, yeah, I kind of... I like You didn't want Helen to die, but it was kind of a fun scare at the end, and it's also a bit of a, like, Trevor gets his because you... By the end of the movie, you hate him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, I was also really surprised that like he didn't die throughout the whole film, and I was I was happy to see him go at the end. That was a fitting, yeah, fitting death. Yeah, man. What do you What do you think of this movie? Uh, I, I had a lot of fun watching this one. Um, it, it seemed kind of timeless. Like, uh, I felt like you know the the commentary on like what was going on at that time and the depiction of like the the Cabrini Green area, and then um, kind of like the the folklore aspect of it. And Candyman being like the scary presence, um, I, I thought it all kind of worked really well, and it, it felt pretty original from a storytelling point, and I thought it was pretty well acted. What, what, what did you think? Yeah, man, this is a quality movie. It is really well acted, and it is like even though it is a bit of a Freddy Krueger type thing, it does feel really original. And yeah, there's some social commentary there with um, like no one really caring about about these people who died in the projects and it's just being chalked up to gang violence and um yeah and just the conditions that they were living in there yeah cool um cool to see like a scary movie take that on a little bit yeah yeah it was cool 
Um, and yeah, it was really well acted. The score was great. Mm-hmm. And the plot really moved along nicely. Like, I felt like maybe it was a little bit of a long movie, just under two hours, but it really kept it kept things moving and it kept you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. I know. It starts, uh, um, like, halfway through it, it starts to just become, like, a downward spiral for uh, for Helen, right? Like, she just, people just keep, get, get, like, dying and, like, she just keeps getting, like, framed for it, which, uh, yeah, so I, was, I thought that kind of started to happen a lot, which which is funny. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe that's part of why it's so engaging because you really do care about Helen. Like, they do a good job with the development there, and then you see her, and she spends a lot of time with her friend Bernadette, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you see her Bernadette die and her go through the loss of Bernadette and like getting blamed for it. And yeah, it really is a downward spiral where things keep getting worse and worse for her. Yeah. But then I I guess at the Um, end, some, some kind of victory in, in that, like she saves this baby and, uh, at the, that, that funeral scene where like everyone comes to see her, I, I guess that's like some kind of victory for her. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, their the Cabrini-Green residence relationship then to her, and I wonder how that's touched upon in the sequels, if at all. Like, Candyman is someone they fear, and I assume they would probably fear her, but, like, wouldn't they revere her in some ways because she crawled out of that fire and saved the baby? That, that's what I think, and I think that's why, like, they came to her funeral, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, I, to honor her. Yeah, I kind of feel like they, they saw her as a hero because I think the kid sees, like, Candyman burning in the fire. Um, and I, I think, yeah, they, they, maybe they, they think that she's the one that like killed Candyman and saved the baby. Right. Right. Um, and by the way, what I was hinting at earlier, the baby that she saves is named Anthony and that's rumored to be Lakeith Stanfield's character. In oh, the movie. Wow, that's pretty cool. Which I think, I mean, even before I read that and as I was watching this movie, I was like, it'd be really cool if the the new one has this baby coming back. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, but these are all rumors, so we could find out. Honestly, we're on such a backlog right now that by the time we release this, it may have all <laughs> been, re- like, corrected true. and come out that that's not cr- true at all. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, yeah, no, that'd be a really cool way to, get, to keep the story going and to draw, like, a natural connection point. Yeah. Um, um, I, yeah one I, I, scene I, that I... F- Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Nah, you had. This is a hard part without us seeing each other. Yeah. Um, one scene that really, you're talking about how it's a movie you feel like, oh, maybe you haven't seen, but then like all the scenes feel so familiar. Mm-hmm. One of the scenes that struck me so much, and I will confess it was because I was like in my early teens when I watched this and it's a scene with nudity. Oh, but she's like her shirt is covered in blood and she is at the police station and they're like making her take off her shirt and like lift up her breasts and yeah. like they're doing a search on her and she's just crying and doesn't know what happened and she's covered in blood and it's just like the most uh not shameful i don't know what the it's like pathetic yeah like you you like feel for her so much it's just like such a low point and it's yeah. it's hard to watch and the nudity just makes it that much more like yeah Oh, she's just like at the bottom. She has no dignity, and yeah, it was rough. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a hard scene to watch. Uh, yeah, you really feel for like the depths that her character falls down into throughout the film. Yeah, 
Yeah, but when that scene came on, I was like, oh, like I've seen this movie plenty of times. <laughs> oh, I remember that bloody side breast getting lifted up. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so gross, God. Yeah, yeah. That like, as a kid, that was something I was like, hey, a boob. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the most depressing, Whoa. horrible. Jillian Anderson's side breast. Yeah. Tell me, man, it was so stuff weird. 80% sure. Uh, I, I want to. I'll comment online about the differences between okay. these actresses or offline. What do you What do you think the uh, the commentary was in this? Because I, you know, there there's certain comments where she realizes the nice condo that she's living in used to be like a, you know, like one of the projects because it also has like that mirror that goes into the next thing. But then she like calls out that like oh because we have the highway on this side or something. We're not uh, in the projects, but Cabrini Green is in the projects because the highway like separates that from the city. I, I kind of think it like hits on this like broader issue of how the the way Chicago is like structured, and you know how like they kind of put these areas like in areas that are kind of removed from the city or quarantined a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Did you did you see more meaning in that, or in, throughout the film? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think essentially just what you. The meaning is like what you said, essentially. They don't really hit you over the head too hard with a theme in this, at least not that I could pick up on, but they do really touch on the social commentary there of of Cabrini Green and what it is and what it means to live there. Yeah. Um, and like that woman with the baby is like, I'm just trying, like we're not all like those guys downstairs. Like I'm just trying to provide for my son and make sure right. he has a decent life. Yeah, I thought, um, I thought it really like humanized uh, that element of it. Yeah, and I mean, Candyman's or- origin is that he was he was killed by a lynch mob for for falling in love with a white woman. Right, right. I I almost wonder if like what happens uh, to Helen's character is supposed to like put her in the shoes of like you know what was going on at that time where like a lot of people would be framed or like you know the, the crimes would be blamed on people without like much evidence and then. Um, you know, they, uh, uh, yeah, just, just kind of, you know, the, the black population, like a lot, there were a lot of incidences, even at Cabrini Green where like, there wouldn't be a lot of evidence or like even how they pinned the guy in that one movie for like crimes that he probably didn't do if they were trying to draw a parallel and like be like, well, now you're kind of like in the situation. Right. Right. And yeah, I mean, that's obviously still happening a bunch today. Yeah. Maybe that's a good point. That that could be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but you, you're right. Like, and it, Clive Barker wrote this story about, um think the british class system right yeah so the director changed it for for chicago that's that's really neat that they took a concept from there and applied it to chicago Um, yeah and yeah it's cool and yeah you're you're right you know like it it is very subtle but like i feel like uh it it does have layers and that's like one of the things about get out too i liked i mean like there were like a lot of hints like throughout and it wasn't like the main point of the movie and same with like us where like it's it's not like the driving theme but like there's enough like embedded in there subtly where like you know they're making uh some statement on like the current state of affairs yeah yeah i heard the uh producers or i read the producers had the director go and meet with the naacp like right just to make sure everything was was all tip-top shape yeah i feel like i think there was some concern before they released this movie yeah i think there was some concern in like uh for first off like i mean this is like one of the first i i, I would think this is one of the first uh, earliest horror films that have has had like a, a black person in it and then casting them as like the the villain i think that's like kind of where they had to go to the NAACP and and review it or something but um, yeah yeah but oh speaking of horror movies Mm -hmm. with um 
black characters. Night of the Living Dead famously had a black hero named Ben, and in the Tom Savini 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead, Tony Todd played that role, Ben. Oh, cool. So the the, the remake yeah. uh, and the original had someone? Yeah, yeah. The the original had a... Um, the I, Yeah, he was like the main character yeah. slash hero of the story, oh, Ben, okay. as a, a black man. Cool, and then this guy Tony Todd was in the remake? Yep, oh, cool. playing that role. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I thought I saw yeah. an article that he's going to be in, in the one next year too, but we'll have to keep our eyes out for that. Yeah, that is rumored. Yeah. That is rumored. Um, and the director of that one, Nia DaCosta, is a black woman. So, cool. I'm sure that they will uh, they will cover some some racial themes in that one as well. Obviously, I don't I don't really think you could do a Candyman without doing that. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a nice element of that story. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I guess zero to five hooks jammed into a bloody stump. What do you give this movie? Uh, I'd give this a four. It was it was a fun watching experience, and I, I thought it had like a lot of good layers and meanings to it. Good commentary and well acted and well produced. What about you? Uh, I give it a four point five. Wow, nice. Same. It, it's it's strange. You said it was a fun watch, and I totally agree. But it's a pretty dark movie, and there's some real uh, brutality to some of the scenes. Yeah, yeah, there are. It, it is actually it's kind of scary too. I think you have like some images that stick with you afterwards. Yeah, yeah, and maybe some of the fun is the nostalgia of seeing it when I was young. But yeah. It, like you said, I, I do think it's timeless. Like, there's just something about this movie. It's just, it's solid. Yeah, it holds up. It didn't feel, like, very dated or anything. And I think it has to do with, like, the lack of, like, using special effects and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, like, the practical... There aren't really even that many... Uh, well, yeah, there are plenty of practical effects. But, uh, yeah, it, they do a good job of just building dread and letting that be a good part of the scares. Yeah, yeah. Right. Cool. All right, well, anything else before we close up shop? Uh, No, I'm good. All right. Well, that is all for our discussion on Candyman, folks. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. That helps other people find our show, and we really appreciate it. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on our website, horrormovieclub.com, or you can shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We always announce the next week's movie on our social, on Twitter and Facebook, so that may give you some incentive to follow us there. Our logo is done by Amy May Popart, so check her out on Etsy.com. And until next time, if you discover a secret room in your house with some creepy and or nude murals, instead of going and sticking your nose where it doesn't belong, just lay back and enjoy the nudes. 